the other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. I'll tell you, one of the elected officials that I respect most in this state, he happens to be a friend of mine, happens to be someone that I've supported in many elections over the years, is the state controller Tom DiNapoli. He's also been a guest on this show. And he came out with a report this week that I find pretty disturbing, and I think every New Yorker should find disturbing, and every parent should find disturbing. We know the numbers in terms of graduation rates in this city. Well, more city students might be graduating from high school these days, but fewer and fewer are actually ready for the rigors of college. That is what we're learning from a new audit from the state controller, Tom DiNapoli. Only 57% of city students were, quote, college ready. That's the study by the state controller's office. And of those who went on to higher education, a disappointing 37% dropped out in the first semester. The report says we found that the Department of Education should do more to prepare students to be college ready. DOE should do more to help students gain the proficiency levels needed to enroll and persist in a post-secondary institution, and this preparation should begin much earlier in students' school years. Now, the report focused on the last pre-COVID class in 2019, and they found that only 77% of students across the five boroughs graduated that year. You can imagine how dim the situation is now in light of that lost year and a half that kids weren't in school. I think this should be a clarion call to all of us to do something to fix city schools. Now, the mayor's office isn't going to say anything about this because they want to look at the numbers and point at the numbers about more kids graduating and say that shows that the DOE is doing such a great job. I don't know who else is going to do something about this, so I'm glad that the state controller, someone that uh, is the top fiscal watchdog in New York State, is actually doing something that you wouldn't necessarily consider in his purview, but uh, if there's one thing they do, it's analyze data, and the data that uh, is in this report shows that 63% of all students went to college, even though only 57% of them were ready, based on how long it took them to graduate high school and how they did on state proficiency tests. And there was a tremendous lack of readiness. 37% of them left higher education by the end of the first semester. So I don't pretend to have all the answers, but uh, I think before we worry about a solution, we need to recognize that this is a big problem. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morning. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. One of the companies that I've been very critical of is Amazon. And specifically, I'm critical of the government for allowing Amazon to behave in the manner that it behaves. Totally monopolistic, uh, devouring small businesses, not paying anything in taxes, treating its workers poorly. And when the workers where I live in Staten Island voted to unionize, there was nobody applauding louder than me. Well, on Tuesday, Amazon suspended more than two dozen employees at a large warehouse in my hometown of Staten Island who had refused to work their shift the previous evening, hours after a cardboard compactor at the site had caught fire. 
The paid suspensions will last while an investigation takes place, according to a company email to the employees that was shared by the Amazon labor union, which won a vote to represent workers at the warehouse in April. Dozens of employees had gathered in a break room Monday night, raising concerns about fire safety and refusing to work. Some worried that the air at the warehouse might not be safe to breathe because of smoke or fumes from the fire. The company confirmed the suspensions, saying that it respected employees' right to protest working conditions, but that occupying workspaces was inappropriate. Well, I wish instead of being so quick to suspend their workers, they were a little bit more attentive to working conditions, doing things like making sure cardboard compactors don't catch fire, doing things like making sure the air is safe to breathe. Under federal law, employees have a right to engage in this kind of activity for protection or mutual aid. You are allowed to protest a dangerous work environment. These workers shouldn't have been put in this position. And I hope that the union goes forward, as they say they intend to do, in filing an unfair labor practice charge in response to these suspensions. I'm a night worker. If you're listening to this broadcast right now, there's a good chance that you're a night worker. And I don't think it's too much to ask for a company that's owned by the world's richest man or one of the top three. I know he fluctuates a little bit to actually give a hoot about its workers' safety to be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. We have been chronicling on this program a national problem, a national teacher shortage, which is resulting in people that aren't necessarily qualified to be in a classroom, put in a position to teach children. And what it's resulted in in different communities around the country is major bonuses to either get teachers to stick around a little longer and put off retirement or bring retired teachers back. Well, let me tell you what a school district in New Jersey is doing. They are offering 92 $2,000 salaries to lure retired teachers back to the classroom. This is the result of a new state law in the state of New Jersey allowing school districts to temporarily hire retired teachers to fill vacant classroom positions. And evidently, it is already having a big impact in Newark. Classes are currently being taught by 26 retired teachers, and another 10 retirees are going to be starting in the next few weeks. That's according to the uh, Newark assistant superintendent. The newly hired teachers include some who retired within the last two years and some who left as long as a decade ago. All but two of them were previously teachers in Newark. All of the retirees are being paid $92,000 for the school year while continuing to receive their pensions. Now, a couple of things strike me about this and are reasons why I wanted to mention it. One, if you're a retired teacher, now's a pretty good time to be knocking on the door of either Newark or your local school district in the state of New Jersey and say, hey, I'd like to come back if you're going to pay me a $92,000 a year salary. The other thing that this causes me to observe is that while this 
does obviate the problem a little bit in the short term. It doesn't do anything to solve the problem about how we got here in the long term. It's almost like throwing a tourniquet or a Band-Aid on a severed artery, maybe more of a tourniquet than a Band-Aid. It doesn't do anything to address the long-term implications of why someone's limb is cut off in the first place. Why is there such a national teacher shortage? Is it all a function of money? Is it a function of too many restrictions being hoisted upon them by state capitals? Is it a function of aggravation that they get from the students or the teachers or the administration? I really think we need to create a better environment for teachers in this country so that we don't need to lure back teachers that were hoping to enjoy their golden years with these sort of golden non-parachutes. I don't know, what's the opposite of a parachute? With these golden rowboats. So hopefully uh, this is an indication that we need to fix our education system, not only in terms of doing a better job of educating children, as we spoke about at the top of the show, but in doing a better job of looking out for our teachers and making sure that these folks know how much we in society value them. After all, a teacher is the most important job there is. Without teachers, where does everybody else come from? Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. One more hour to go. Don't even think of touching that radio dial. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno here on 77 WABC. It's no secret that uh, one of the issues we've spent a great deal of time talking about as a radio station is bail reform. And a lot of people have been blaming bail reform for the uptick in crime that we've seen not only in New York City, but around the state. And some people have questioned whether or not this is a right-wing talking point, if this is something that's brought up by the New York Post or Republican politics politicians in order to demonize Democrats. Well, I'll tell you, I heard one of the most fascinating interviews yesterday right here on this radio station. It was on the Cats at Night show. And obviously, this is the show that's hosted by our owner, John Katsimatidis. And he was interviewing the Albany County District Attorney, David Soros. This is what Albany County DA Soros, a Democrat, a progressive Democrat, not considered a conservative by any means, had to say about the implications of bail reform on crime in this state and in this city. Listen to this. It's played the most significant part. And I think that anyone who's arguing, um, you know, to the contrary is, is, is being disingenuous. One of the things that we do in, in public safety is we identify individuals who are engaged in crimes and we uh, we attempt to, to remove them from community. But when judges are, are compelled to consider the least restrictive condition and they're deprived from considering um, and exercising discretion and considering community safety, um, those individuals go right back onto the street. And the reality is it's the smallest number of, of individuals in our community that are committing the most um, violence. And, and therefore, this idea that, that, um, that New York State in its embrace of of these criminal justice reforms, this idea that this has nothing to do with with, uh, the increase in crime is just, it's disingenuous and absurd. Now, if a lifelong progressive Democrat like David Soros can see plain as day the effect that bail reform has had on crime, why can't Carl Hasty? Why can't Andrea Stewart Cousins? And I think the truth of the matter is they can. I know Governor Hochul can. They have become so beholden to the extreme left wing of their party. And until we can reform politics itself, 
to make it that the Democratic primary is not the determinative election. Until we do that, I think improvements on this bail reform law are never going to happen. I do implore the Assembly Speaker and the Senate Majority Leader, along with everybody in Albany, listen to the words of the Albany County DA. Do something. Beam me up! To be continued.